Hey everybody, Andrew Bray here, sound designer and Barbara Bray's son, talking with my mom and your favorite podcast host. How's it going, mom? I'm Barbara Bray, since he didn't mention my name. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, you know, since they're on this podcast, they might know who we're talking about. I know, I'm teasing you. I'm just so lucky. This is what's so cool is this is a real tough time because we're all kind of staying at home and we don't get to see people. But um, when Andrew and I are doing this, I'm doing it on Zoom so we can talk to each other and see each other. And it just warms my heart. Thank you so much, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know it. I mean, that's what's so important about you know, not only connecting with people, but listening to conversations. Uh, in fact, in fact, I know in, in the upcoming conversation, you're speaking with Roman Novak. Uh, tell me a little bit about that conversation. Yeah. Well, I first learned how to sp pronounce his name right. He spells it <laughs> N-O-W-A-K and it's Novak. And, I, and we'll find out more about that in the conversation. But the other thing about Roman is he is this, um, he brings hope. Every day he does a quote on Twitter. And right now I just go to always go to his site just to make me feel better because it's been a scary time for a lot of people. And Roman is the one that always makes me feel better. And so I'm really excited about the conversation we had. All right. Well, folks, stay tuned and listen to the conversation with Barbara Bray and Roman Novak. Well, I have someone that I know really well online, and I, I just had a nice talk with him just just before we started, and uh, I just learned something. I learned how to pronounce his name right. It's Roman Novak. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thank you for having me, Barbara. I always thought it was Roman Novak. A lot of people do. So uh, I am from a Polish background and we actually don't have a V in our alphabet. And so the W actually makes that sound. And so a lot of people mistake it for Nowak. But I always sort of give a little lesson on uh, the Polish alphabet and that to my students. Because I really, uh, it's something that's important to me, the pronunciation of names. And I make sure to try and pronounce my students' names right. So yes, it's Novak. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad I we talked about that. I would have definitely said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell a little bit about you. Sounds good. You know, I just learned a lot. It was really cool. You're a high school English teacher in Rockland, Ontario, in Canada. Where's Rockland? So Rockland is just east of Ottawa, which is our capital in Ontario. Oh. And that, so uh, we're probably about four and a half hours uh, northeast of Toronto. Oh, is it snowing or is it? Uh, we're actually going to be getting probably about, uh, I'd say, 12 to 15 inches of snow tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm in Cal California, so I'm not going to tell you what my weather's like. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> All right. Let me tell a little bit more. Uh, Roman is a student success leader and agent of transformation, and I know you are. I just yes. love everything you do. Well, that's right? that's something that it's not an official title that my uh, board or district has given. But since I've been sort of working these last few years and I talk to a lot of teachers, I'm like, technically, we're all agents of transformation or agents of change, depending how you want to look at it. And I'm like, we should include it. Sort of like I know a lot of uh, administrators, especially in the United States, uh, they like to call themselves lead learners. And I'm like, I love having that same sort of impact as a teacher. You're not just a teacher. You're an agent of transformation. We're transforming lives and learning for students. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But that is what every teacher needs to hear. 
Because sometimes, uh, I, don't you just hate it when the teacher says, I'm just a teacher? I just want to go, no, yeah, you're an so agent much more. of transformation. <laughs> <laughs> there, we can start this movement where everyone's going to start using that. Ah, it's wonderful. Well, I'm going to add that you're also a fitness enthusiast. So we're going to talk <laughs> about that too. So I'm fortunate to know you, Raman, because of Twitter. Yes. I, I mean, I, I got involved with your Build Hope EDU Twitter chat mainly because of all the quotes you were sharing. Yep. You seem to put one up every day almost. Uh, so that's actually, it's it was a goal of mine. I think uh, once in June of this year, I'm going to actually hit three years where I've been putting a quote every day the last three years. Uh, and it's sort of a mission I gave myself when I started with Twitter and I got involved in Twitter chats. I really wanted to sort of do something that was important to me. And I think reflecting and sort of having that positive outlook was important. So I try now, I'll say 95% of the time I do it early in the morning. Sometimes something happens. Uh, I have a family and so I have to do it a bit later, but I at least put one positive thought out there every day to share. And if I know I'm going somewhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi, I do plan it out. But otherwise it's really spur of the moment. Hmm. That morning I choose my quote and that's what I want to put out there in the world for the day. I saw you put one out this morning. It was really thought-provoking, so we'll talk about this too. <laughs> well, before we get into all of that, I always like everyone to share their background so they get to know a little bit more about you. Can you do that? Yeah, of course. Uh, this is my 15th year in teaching now. Uh, I actually started teaching while I was still finishing my uh, degree, my bachelor's in university, because we have a shortage of teachers. Uh, so a little bit longer now, I have a varied background of elementary and secondary, although the last 15 years has been really in the secondary uh, school system. Uh, this is my second year actually back in a school full-time, because right before that, I actually took a leave from my school. We have what we call here secondment. So my district lent me out to our uh, provincial government and I actually helped work on policies and programs to support student success for our 12 French language districts. I'm actually a high school English teacher, but in, our, in a French language district here since uh, French is one of our official languages. So a lot of my English language learners, it's their second language for them. And uh, so I did that for three years, missed the classroom a lot. And so I came back to actually working full-time in the classroom because before I left to the government, I was actually what we called a student success teacher. So I was sort of like that coach that worked with students who were just on the cusp of failing and trying to find strategies with their teachers. How can we work on preventing a failure and work? We were trying to be very proactive. And oh, so uh, yeah. I sort of changed the jobs here and there, but now I'm a full-time English teacher with a couple of cooking classes here and there. That's a passion of mine. And so uh, I'm having fun on a daily basis. Okay. You brought up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that I want to go into, but I want to find out when it was like when you were young. So I always explain, I came from a very uh, conservative family, a very religious upbringing. Uh, my dad used to be in the military. Both my parents are from Poland. I'm a first generation Canadian with my sister. And so uh, I have always been taught to follow the rules. So when I was a student, I was one of those complacent students. I will do what you tell me because that's what's expected of me. And I was, I, there was this fear of not doing what I had to do because what are my parents going to say or do? And so I was that student that just, I mean, I succeeded very well because I followed the rules. But as I became now an adult and I started working with a lot of, I guess we'll call them struggling students, I try not to use that term as much, but we have reluctant learners or students who don't fit to that traditional system. 
even as an adult, I have now become someone who speaks out and I'm not that person who's just going to follow the rules, but I'll actually use my voice and I will resist and I will push back because I think it's important. But if you talk to me when I was a kid, I was that person that just followed the rule book 100% and I would not falter. So we didn't get into a few things, but what made you change? Was it before you got into teaching or was it after? Uh, I think it was later. I sort of built that confidence. I was a very shy kid. If you actually looked at my report cards, my parents were one of those parents. They kept everything. So I have all my report cards as a kid. And on some of the report cards, it still says that I used to sort of sit alone. I didn't want to talk to people. Uh, I was extremely shy. I think one of the things that changed me in grade eight, I did a public speaking contest. I actually won the school contest and I went then to another uh, level, Mm -hmm. but then I started getting more comfortable. Now, I mean, I speak at conferences. I actually just came back from a conference last week in Toronto. And I mean, I just love it. So as I built that confidence, I said, and I sort of learned, well, there are so many people who don't have voices or who don't know how to use their voice. Well, I'm going to try and be that model. I'm going to try and use my voice and do what I can. So I've been pushing back on a lot of things. When we talk about agent of transformation, I want to transform schools. I think there's a lot that works, but a lot that doesn't work. And I'm not afraid to stand up to my superiors, to other colleagues and say, well, to me, that doesn't work. And I'm not going to do it that way. Well, I was like you. I was very shy. Nobody believes me, though. And it's even hard for me to believe it about you. Maybe that's why you want to transform schools, because you remember what you were like. Well, I think in part, I mean, I worked in the system. I mean, I was that kid that the system just worked for me. Mm. Now, did it really work or is it just I was good at following the rules? And I always talk to my kids about that. Mm-hmm. I think I was just good at following the rules. And now when I look, and especially now as a father, and I look at my two daughters going through the system, so they're in grades two and three, I'm like, well, things just don't work. And we can't just accept. I mean, I had friends who well, it was just accepted. Yeah, they won't have their diploma or they won't pass. They won't have good grades. Well, to me, that's just not acceptable anymore. Wow. Is it an easy thing to do? No. I mean, I have challenging days. Very much so. And if those who talked to me my first semester, I had a lot of challenging days. Things aren't perfect, but I'm just willing to put in that work and try what I can. I think that's what's important in education today. Well, I think what's really cool about what you're saying is that you can always change. You yes. and, and, and the other is you can model that with your kids because there are kids that sit alone and nobody talks to them and nobody knows about them. So it seems to me that with you giving everybody a chance to really voice who they are, they may never have that opportunity if they're following the rules, you know. Yeah, and it's funny. There's a Canadian book that I'm actually reading with my students right now called Crab by William Bell. And he talks in his early chapters about how schools are sort of a backward system because teachers say they want to listen to students, but they don't really want to listen to students. And he talks about his experience where he's like, I'll give the answer. But if I'm like changing the planned lesson, because I give too much of a good answer, he's like, teachers are actually upset with me because I just ruined the punch of the lesson. And it's sort of true in education where we try to, I think of always the textbooks when we were in math class, when I was a kid, all the answers are in the back, but don't look, well, don't put the (laughs) answers there, but we all work towards that answer instead of just saying, what is your answer? Instead of planning out that answer, let them come up with it. Mm -hmm. And as an educator and as an adult, be open to other answers that you may not have thought of. Or you let them come up with the questions. And the questions. Mm -hmm. That is such a big thing. I try something I actually experienced with my students is instead of doing a typical test, 
it's a test of creating questions instead of finding answers. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. How did they like that? Did they? They didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I even, I've even done, uh, instead of doing written tests, I've done oral tests. So I've given them a list of questions and I will ask you, let's say four of them, and you will either record yourself or it'll be one-on-one with me. And they do not like that. I got a lot of pushback when I tried it because they've grown in a system where I've succeeded in writing things down, changing my answers, working around. But when you do an oral test, you can't go back and rewind and re-record all the time or, oh, let me go back to that question. It's just, it's a flow and they're not used to it. So no, they did not like it whatsoever. I still do it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So you became a teacher. Did you always want to be a teacher Early on, yes, I'd say probably in high school, although I did have some teachers that tried to discourage me, funny enough, but I actually really wanted to go into theater, into the dramatic arts. Once I found my voice, I'm like, okay, I was having a lot of fun. I did a musical when I was in high school. I took some drama classes, but to my parents, that wasn't a real job. And uh, so my parents who came from Poland, a communist country, uh, they went through some harder times and then they wanted my sister and I to have stable, good careers, traditional careers. And so it was quite clear that uh, a bachelor's of arts in drama wasn't going to happen. I had to pick something more traditional. I decided to listen to them and look, it all worked out for me. But uh, I think I bring in that drama element every day in my classroom. I volunteered with plays and other things. I try to keep that element and I try to have fun in class. But yeah, the teaching I always wanted to for different reasons, I think, but I did want to go into drama or theater and that was just discouraged. So I kind of didn't go into it. Well, it sounds like when you're up on the stage, you probably interject some (laughs) of that drama part of you. (laughs) I try. I try. I think my students see it every day. I try to make it uh, (laughs) as fun as possible. Uh, My son's in in drama. He teaches acting and theater. Okay. Yeah. It's not the most um, prolific... (laughs) (laughs) but he he's really good at it for you since you didn't have a voice you felt or you just followed the orders what do you do to help your students have a voice other than you know letting them come up with their answers or maybe even the questions and well a lot of times I will be pushing them so Uh, they are for them English is a second language so many of them already don't want to speak and I try and push them to speak in English because otherwise many of them won't practice. Uh, So I've used for the past uh, year and a half, although you'll talk to a lot of my students, they're not the biggest fans. I use Flipgrid a lot and actually Flipgrid came to visit us and they did a a little uh, talk with my students in November on their sort of first cross Canada Flipgrid tour. Uh, But I use it on a weekly basis to get them comfortable, to get them practicing. But I think one of the most important things for them to use their voice is to let them talk and let them drive the class. So if they deviate from my lesson because of something that they bring up, I let it happen. Because I think one of the worst things is when students want to talk and then you say, oh, well, it's not time now. And then you forget about it. Then that's where they're learning. Well, no one really wants to listen to us. And so as much as I can, even if it puts me behind, to me, that's learning. And I think that's an important part of learning. So if I can keep it, we'll learn different things. It's not necessarily what I planned but I think it's important. I think that sort of gets them more comfortable with it. Now, they're not all amazing speakers and they're not all there and they do not all like Flipgrid because they hate looking at themselves in the video. (laughs) But uh, I think that comes also, I mean, teenagers, adolescents, they're scared of judgment. 
of what are other people going to say of their accents and all that. So I try and work a lot on that with them just to get them more comfortable in speaking. Because if they're comfortable speaking to me, they'll eventually be comfortable using their voice when they need to. At least that's my hope. So I love Flipgrid. I, I think. Oh, so do I. Yeah. We're going to have to, you know, do a shout out to them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you definitely. Said that. Do a shout out. I love them to death. Um, now, when you do this, though, do you keep the Flipgrid videos private? So they're just for your Right class? now. So mm-hmm. we're in a new semester. We've been about maybe three and a half to four weeks in a new semester. At the beginning, I will always keep them what we call moderated on Flipgrid. I'll turn on the moderation. My hope is always to get to the point where it's open. Uh, sometimes I don't get there and I want to respect the students. I don't mm-hmm. want them. The worst thing we can do is to get them so uncomfortable that then they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And then, so it, it sort of, it varies every year as I use it with different groups. Some of them are going to get comfortable with it and some of them won't, but as long as they are using their voice, I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, teenagers are, you know, they're a different animal. I mean, I know I was, (laughs) I mean, they're very uncomfortable and not confident and want to be liked by their peers and all of that, but to not speak the language that you're trying, all of that can cause the problem too. So I love that you do that. There's so many stories. I was reading through your blog and, you know, I might be picking out some that would weren't the ones we want to talk about, but there was one uh, with Cedric. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so, was, uh, who was, was he a student or? He was a student of mine last year in my grade nine English class. Uh, I still see him in the halls every day, still talk to him. And funny enough, I also taught his brother, Nicholas. Uh, I don't, I, I always never want siblings to feel overshadowed, but uh, he's this amazing student. Uh, when you think of polite, uh, has respect, Uh, He does what he has to do, but I mean, he'll ask questions. Uh, And he was drafted for the uh, Youth Olympics for Team Canada. Amazing experience. And I I mean, with the time difference, because it was in Switzerland this year, got up at five in the morning to watch the games and watch hockey. Hockey. Yes, I should have mentioned. I remember I'm in the U.S. I mean, not what team. So he's a yeah. So he's a hockey player. Funny enough, they won the bronze medal and he actually scored the last two goals in that bronze medal game, which was amazing. But as much, and I try to talk to my students as much as I can. And I'm like, okay, hey, this is amazing. And I'm hoping he's going to be drafted. He's going to go far in, in hockey. And I'm hoping one day he'll make it to the NHL. But I'm like, you have the whole package. Like, it's not, you're not just hockey. Sometimes people feel like it, all we know about them is if they're a singer, okay, they're a singer. If they're an actor, they're an actor, or an athlete. But I'm like, you're not just an athlete. You are a role model for others, your age and everything, because of the way you you talk, the way you present yourself, everything you do. And that's sort of why I decided to shine a light on Cedric. It's because he's so much more than just that hockey player or just a student. He's just this all-around amazing kid who I think should be a real role model to everyone else. And I mean, he's not an adult, but he's even a role model to adults, just the way he presents himself. How does he feel about that? It's funny, he doesn't let it get to his head. To him, it was an experience and he keeps looking forward. He volunteers, he has a job. Uh, It's just, he has this amazing attitude. And so I know he's going to keep that attitude and I think that's what's going to drive him far. It's not only his talent, but it's just his overall attitude, his enthusiasm that's actually going to drive him forward. Oh, that is wonderful. And there's probably a lot more students like that with different interest and but 
Isn't it nice to be able to showcase them? I, I just, I mean, when I look at what they're going through today, it's a whole different world than when I grew up and when... It is. And I think that comes with technology and social media. They're going through so many things that we didn't, even when I was, uh, I like to say that I'm not that old, but even in, in our time, <laughs> we didn't have to deal with some of the things that they do. So uh, to see some students really shine mm-hmm. in all of this, I think that's important to to give them that sort of window to shine. Well, it's it's almost like that um, they're out there because of the technology. You know, and they put themselves, they're vulnerable. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it can be really bad. So I saw another post you did on the Pay It Forward project. Yes. So I have a few different versions of uh, that Pay It Forward. Started it last year when I came back to the classroom. uh, And it really started with the whole idea of kindness and spreading kindness. And so when Random Acts of Kindness Day and Week comes up in February, Last year, we wrote, we did several different things, but we wrote notes and we put them uh, in car windows. Uh, I I remember buying chocolates and we just gave chocolates with messages to students at random. This year, uh, we did two things where we did uh, stickers that we gave to our local Starbucks uh, and they put them on their bags when people bought food. And so they had these positive messages that had our school logo and a hashtag. And then in two surprise bags, uh, we gave gift cards that somebody at some point would just get a $10 gift card to Starbucks. And then I also bought, I think it was last year, I I bought a poster that says 100 Random Acts of Kindness. And it's one of those scratch posters. And so now I have one group that for the month of February, we're actually going through 100 100 Random Acts of Kindness. Each student is responsible for three. And then they have to take pictures or videos of them documenting what they're doing. And then together as a class, we want to get through 100 Random Acts of Kindness. Are you going to put up some of the examples? Uh, I am. So they're working on it and they're building it. And then so as we're doing it and then if we're going to miss them at the end, we'll continue into March. But yes, I'll be uh, creating some posts after with that. That is amazing. They must love this. Uh, Some of them do now. Funny, they will do TikTok videos. They will go on Instagram. They will be public everywhere. But you ask them to take a picture of them doing something kind and they feel very awkward doing it. And so we even reflect Uh on that. Like, why is it awkward for you to do something nice and film it, but to do a dance and put it out there, you're not awkward. And so we have that discussion just to to look Hmm. at what they feel. You know, I can understand that though. It is, but, and I sort of, it's sort of an interesting reflection of, Mm -hmm. I think as a society, we feel awkward sharing that we're doing kind things, but we share so many other things. And so I'm trying to get them just to, you know what, let's just do it. Let's, it's normal. It's good. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's almost like when you do, I mean, when you're putting all these, uh, you know, quotes up every day, um, people can take quotes wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I I know where you're going. Uh, Yes. uh, So sometimes I guess tone, context are many things. And I try to, even when I put out quotes, I try to look at, well, who's the person saying it? Because I don't want to do that misstep. It's so easy with social media to put something out there that someone may get offended. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the dialogue is important and how you approach the dialogue is important. And I think we're there to grow. I think it's okay to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't do this the best way, but I mean, I'm growing. And I think in my quest to put out these quotes, I mean, I just want to put some positive out there. And I mean, one of the lessons I got last year and I made it a lesson with my students was I used to say that my teachers are my tribe. Until someone called me out on Twitter and said, well, you are now taking 
a word out of context. Tribe doesn't belong to you. And so I had this whole indigenous lesson and I actually stopped using tribe for it. Uh, it would, but I liked that the students did that to you. Well, no, but it wasn't the students that called me out. It was another adult that another called me adult? out, but I, I brought it into my classroom after and said, ah. okay, uh, this is bugging me because I'm not used to being called out, but let's talk about it. And it's funny, my students were more on the side of, I don't see anything wrong with it. But then as we talked it through and they're like, okay, well, we see their point of view a bit. And as long as we can have that dialogue, that discussion in a sort of respectable mm -hmm. manner, I think that's what's key here. I think that's what we need to do as adults too. <laughs> Definitely. And you don't yes. always get that on social media, but, no, but I don't. do like the idea of being okay and showing your vulnerabilities and that you can make mistakes or made and, and having someone call you out really opens your eyes. And I think that's, it does, yeah. that's really good. So, you know, you do also another one, which is independent research projects where they do a TED talk. Yeah, so that I do more with my senior students. We traditionally used to do what we call an independent study unit, and it was usually based around literature. Uh -huh. uh, I love reading. I want to instill the love of reading in my students. But at some point, I'm like, when you always associate reading to some sort of a project or work, then I find that's where we sort of take away the love of reading. So I transformed. We do a lot of reading in my class, but to transform that project... I got them to do research. And now it's not the traditional research where, okay, I'm going to go into books, encyclopedias, and all these research articles. I started doing it around, well, find a problem in your community or in society. Let's do research, which includes podcasts, social media, like go out there, find that research. What can you change? So then we can eventually create a TED Talk. And I really focus on the TED Talk. So I don't want this uh, embellished PowerPoint. I don't want you to have notes. I really want you to speak from the heart, try to really get to people to understand the problem. And I want you to bring out some solutions. And so with my senior students, I tend to try and work on projects like that. So it's sort of like that passion project. Again, students aren't always used to it. They're not always the most enthusiastic about it, but the things that they bring about are amazing in those projects. Ah, just the ability to do that. I, I was just in a TED masterclass, so I'm trying okay, to do my yeah. own TED talk and trying to come up with something that you're passionate about, be able, but to be able to get the message across isn't always that easy. No, it isn't. Yeah. It's an art form and yeah. we have to practice our art. I'm trying to figure out, I want to get to a few other <laughs> things. So let's talk about the Build Hope EDU and why you started yeah. that. I've always wanted to do something and it's, it always started for me. And I mean, Twitter chats, were so eye-opening to me. I mean, I participated at one point when I was working uh, on the policy and program part and I wasn't in the classroom. I think at some point I was doing like maybe 20 chats a week. Uh, there were some <laughs> nights I was doing three to four chats. And I mean, I grew so much as a person that I loved it. So when I sort of decided, well, what do I want to do? And uh, I mean, I do eventually want to write and I'm writing projects just because it's a passion of mine. I like to speak. I go to conferences. I like to learn. But I decided, well, I'm like, well, with everything I'm putting out there with the quotes and that, I'm like, I want to be able to also reflect and learn with people. So I sort of created that hashtag looking at, well, what do I want to learn? I mean, there's a whole bunch of things about kindness. And uh, some people call me the kindness guru. And <laughs> there was so many things out there. And I'm like, well, there's more to just kindness. And so I sort of enveloped, well, everything sort of fits into creating hope. And if we create hope and uh, you have compassion and empathy and so many things enveloped into 
building that hope and keeping that hope with students and my hope for what education could be, that that's sort of why I created it. And on March 1st, it's going to be my one-year anniversary with that chat. Uh, really? And so, yeah. And so I started in early March of uh, 2019. And so this is just a personal journey that I'm having fun with, whether some weeks I may have five, six people, some weeks I have 50 people. It's just a chance for me to put out there some questions, uh, grow, have some guest moderators, and really just keep the discussion out there to how we can keep building community. I want people to join in to build hope EDU because it's really wonderful what you bring there. And if they're available, it's build. We'll put a link. We'll show it to them on the post. And um, one more thing, uh, because I'm looking at the time, was you've talked about the future of education and, and your concerns about it. And so why is it so important that we all have to fight for this for our kids? I know it, it means a lot to you. It does. I'm not saying that not everything works because there are so many things that work. But I think at the same time, if we're really going to try and be there for our students, if we want them to really thrive and be empowered, we just can't be in a system that focuses on this sort of mass creation. I mean, everyone creates this classroom lesson that everyone has to follow at the same exact time. And if you don't get it, I mean, I remember taking calculus and I was a good math student who got great grades. But then when I took my senior calculus class, I finished with a 58% and I struggled and I worked at least an hour and a half to two hours every night on my calculus. And I just couldn't succeed. I tried my best, but I think I just couldn't learn calculus at the rhythm that was given to me. And we're in a system where you can't take more time than what time is given to you in the school system. So you have that semester, you have that unit plan. And I think we need to really break away from that if we want our students to succeed. And so me, when I look at that future of education, well, that mass production of students, and uh, I have that image of factory mass producing, and we give them that sort of stamp at the end, you're graduates of 2020, and (laughs) everyone's out there at the same time, but not everyone is made like that. And we have to really break that system to allow students to be empowered to learn, but to feel successful and be happy. I mean, if you walk through the halls of any high school, I bet you you'll see very little students smiling in their classrooms. And I think Mm. to me, that's sad because they're just sitting there, they're listening, they're going through the motions, but they're not really curious or empowered or they don't have that spark. And I mean, I challenge people, walk, walk your halls, look at the classrooms and look at your kids' faces. And if you don't see them happy most of the time, then let's think of why and what can we do. And I think that's one of the big things that has to change. Let's get them involved. Let's get them happy about what they're learning. Uh, let's get them really to find that passion that drives them. You know, I, I love that. I know that in your class, you're doing that, especially you're, you're trying anyway, the best you can. to get I'm to, trying. And so yeah. what I want teachers to realize, you walk into my classroom and there are days where what I see in schools that I don't want to see you will see it. I will have students that aren't always engaged, that aren't always smiling because we all have our ups and downs and things aren't always perfect in my classroom because I try things and they don't work out. And I mean, I have bad days. My kids have bad days. I can't control their own lives. So it's okay. We'll have those moments. But I think we have to just keep powering through and keep trying things to be there for students. So I want to go on an up note before yes. we end. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, one of the things is always being passionate about something in your life and you're passionate about fitness. Yes. 
It's funny, I call myself a fitness enthusiast. Uh, this comes from a long journey. I've always struggled with weight, and that's something I don't talk about that much, even with my students. Uh, I've gone through uh, most of my childhood being overweight. I've lost weight. I've gained weight with my kids. I've lost weight. I've gained weight. And so I try to find that time where I can exercise, where I can sort of uh, regenerate uh, find the drive that I need. It doesn't always happen. And I mean, my my weight still fluctuates and I'm not where I'd love to be. Uh, sometimes I have to give up some of my time because I want to put it into my students or school. And is, is it the healthiest choice? No. But I know that I always have my people there that I turn to. And I always have, I always have that attitude of, well, if I have to start over, I'm starting over. And so I'm a big spinner. I spin. Uh, I try to spin every day if I can. I don't always, <laughs> but it's just something I try to find time for. I think it's important to find that time for health. And so uh, that's why I call myself an enthusiast. I'm not an expert. I want to <laughs> make time and it doesn't always happen, but I'm definitely an enthusiast about it. And I know we have to go, but real quick, you do have two beautiful children and yes. your family. Can you tell me their names? Yes. So my two daughters, uh, Eva and Kalea. Uh, grade two and three, my wife, Emily, and they're probably what uh, drive me really in education now. As I'm looking at them going through the system, mm -hmm. I really try and do everything with them in mind. And I mean, they're the ones that give me a smile every day on top of everything else, but they're my drive. They're my heart. Oh, I wish we could talk all day because you're amazing. So do I. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know I do have students coming soon back into my classroom. <laughs> Thank you so much, Roman. This was just wonderful. And, and I'm so glad that you told me how to say your name right. <laughs> oh, no right problem. It, I'll never get offended, but I always use it as a lesson. And I'm like, and then I start getting into the Polish language and everything. So oh, it's always a lot of fun. This was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much, Roman. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Roman Novak. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with the podcast about Roman, and it is on my Rethinking Learning website and includes resources and more about building hope. You can subscribe to my website that is at barbarabray.net to receive announcements, updates, new podcasts and posts, and information with a book guide about my book, Define Your Why. I'll also be sharing updates and resources to help people during the COVID crisis. Now we need each other more than ever. Our stories matter. Hope matters. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe.